are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share His love. We're going to turn to Romans 16 this morning, and Sherry Ames is going to read Scripture with us. I should forewarn you, a most unusual reading, but Sherry's up for the task. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Centria. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend, Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stockies. Greet Apelles, whose fidelity in Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the house of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. All right. Thank you, Sherry. That is in the running for most difficult scripture reading in our 11-year history. Very impressive. Well, before we begin our study of this passage this morning, I'd like to have my wife, Esther, join me up front to just share a fun family update. So we certainly would not feel like we need to make an announcement, except that starting next week, it would probably be a little odd if we didn't. I think you'll see why as we share this. Some of you know that Esther and I have been licensed foster care providers for the past two and a half years. And four weeks ago, I was actually on a plane ready to push back with Craig Otto at our church conference in Ohio. And we got an email, Esther and I did, with a referral. And this referral came from our social worker, and she said, I almost didn't send this to you, but I just felt a nudge. So long story short, we have been on a foster care track, and that is our license, and yet there was a county in northern Minnesota who reached out and asked if we would consider not foster care, but the adoption of a sibling group. And it's one of those deals where we felt like God had been preparing us for 
some kind of yes that was on the horizon and something that would be beyond what we could ask or imagine. So after hearing a clear yes from the Lord, and we could tell you stories about the many times that he confirmed it, we have said yes to adopting a sibling group of four. And Esther's going to tell you a little bit more about them. So their ages are just two girls. They're eight and six, and two boys that are two and seven months. They'll be here next weekend for a visit, and then they will move in before Thanksgiving. You know, we never thought we'd be the parents of seven children, (laughs) ever. You know, while we are very excited, we've certainly also felt the magnitude of the task. And in this month now, since we've said yes, there have been times when I have just felt overwhelmed and very, just overwhelmed with anxiety, as that is something that I have struggled with over the years. And yet all summer long, long before this became a thing, the Lord had poured into me in my life in random places to scripture would pop up out of Isaiah 41.10. And it says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so he has, and so he is, strengthening, helping, upholding, um, as Bjorn said, in all of our lives, we've never felt a decision confirmed supernaturally in so many different ways, which gives us great confidence as we move forward and joy and peace as well. We've already seen an outpouring, an amazing outpouring of love and support for our family, even though not that many people have known um, yet. And for that, we are so grateful. Our leadership team here at the Y Church and our staff have been incredible in their support of this decision. And there are a whole number of people, some of whom are here this morning, who, while we were at this conference in New York where I was speaking this week, who flipped our house and got it ready for seven kids to live in our home. We are incredibly grateful for that. One of the blessings that encourages Esther and I in our decision, and we said this actually to the social worker, is... You may not know this, but we have this large extended family called the church. And I hope that each of you also, as you grow roots here, gets to experience that extended family, a place that loves, serves, and cares for one another really well. And so we trust that God is looking after our family as he has and as he adds to it in unexpected ways. And we can't wait to introduce you to our new children, whom we will meet for the first time next weekend and so will you. In fact, as the weekend visit was planned out, the social worker asked them if they would want to come to church, and the kids said yes, apparently in all caps with exclamation marks, and then they came back to it, and they said, do you think they would want us to? And so we can't wait for them to experience the love and affection in Christ that you have shown to us. So thank you for your support. All right. Romans 16. (laughs) But you know, the really amazing thing is, this series through Romans, I mapped out months and months ago and assigned Romans 16, 1 to 16, to today and entitled it Family Greetings. 
And in the wild ways of God, Esther and I would be standing before you with some family greetings of our own. So it's amazing how God works. We're here toward the end of the book of Romans, entering the final chapter. And we have this list of greetings that to us is kind of funny when you run across this at the end of a long book of the Bible like Romans. And yet this is part of a Greco-Roman letter and how they would structure it. They would end with personal greetings from the author to the recipients of the letter. And you might well be asking this, maybe even halfway through Sherry's reading, you know, what on earth are we going to do with this? These hard-to-pronounce Bible names, I mean, they might be interesting for historical reasons, but what could we possibly pull from this in the way of practical application? And that would be a really understandable question to ask, except that we remember these passages like from 1 Timothy 3 that says that all Scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so apparently that would apply as well to Romans 16 and these obscure greetings. And I found this week there is, in fact, a lot here in a shorter amount of time this morning for us to glean. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do just a brief study of these greetings and make some surprising discoveries along the way. We're not going to look at every name or every verse by any means, but a sampling of them. And we'll make our way quickly across the text and then draw some summary lessons to finish. So with that, let me remind us, the author of this letter is Paul, and he's writing from the city of Corinth, which is in Greece, and he's sending this letter to the followers of Jesus in Rome. And maybe you've heard this saying. It's actually more of a modern saying. They didn't have it back then. But have you heard, all roads lead to Rome? So that describes Rome in the first century. It was the capital of the world. And yet the Apostle Paul, writing this letter and sending it there, had not planted the church in Rome. He planted the church in lots of different places, but not in Rome, though he was hoping to visit there soon. So he sends this letter off. And of course, it doesn't travel via post office, or email, or text. He has to send it with a good old-fashioned courier, and that's where our greeting begins with the commendation of Phoebe. So verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Cancrea. And the first thing I want us to notice is the word sister. Phoebe is not the blood-related sister of Paul, nor anybody else there in the Roman church that we know of, and yet Paul refers to her as sister. If you've spent time around the church, then you maybe have heard these terms or know them quite well and even take them for granted at this point, that we refer to each other as sister and brother. And yet I want to point out this morning that we don't say that because it's cutesy or sappy or antiquated, but it is this profound biblical truth when we use those expressions. Because the truth is that we were enslaved to sin, lost and alone, and God brings us into his family. He finds us and redeems us and makes us his sons and daughters in a way that is deeper than blood. So Phoebe is a sister in Christ, and she's the carrier of this letter from Corinth to Rome. And we think there's probably some reason she was making the trip anyway. It could have been business-related. But she's a sister in Christ. And also, as Paul commends her, says, by the way, she's a deacon in her home church. 
Deacon was an office, an official leadership role in the church. And in our setting, we don't use that language as much, but we use the equivalent, and here's how we do it. We have serving teams that carry out the ministry of the church, and those serving teams each have a leader that is our equivalent of a deacon. So Dave, Dave leads our setup team. And maybe from here on out, you have my permission to call him Deacon Dave, because that's really what he is. John, John Hinkle leads our worship team. Barb leads our prayer team. And we could go across the ministries of the church. These are deacons leading our ministries. And what I want to point out here is that Phoebe is a woman who is serving in official leadership capacities, as many women were, from the birth of the church. Phoebe is just one of six or seven names of women who are in this list of greetings. Women are clearly leading and serving vitally alongside men in the ministry of the church. And so it should be today. And I thank God for the women who serve and lead here at the Y Church and for the girls, our students out there, who are growing up and will be leaders of the church in their generation. Moving right along, let's go to verse 3. We'll introduce you to another woman and her husband. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, Paul says, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. Now we know this couple from other passages in Scripture, And the first thing I want to draw out from this portion is that they're a married couple serving in ministry. We would have Nijar's husband, Niraj, here today, except for he is visiting India right now. But a modern-day Priscilla and Aquila. And so it was with these two that we see this beautiful picture of a husband and wife serving alongside each other in ministry. And if you are married... I pray that you would get the experience of this as you serve alongside your spouse. One of my great joys in life is to see my wife carry out ministry and to cheer her along. And so I'm asking you this morning, if you're married, what are your spouse's spiritual gifts? What do you see in them? How do the two of you get to serve together as a team in ways that you could never do on your own. And the second thing I want to point out about this couple is that they had normal jobs. That's always refreshing for us to see throughout Scripture. These were not full-time church workers or pastors. But we know from other verses that they were tent makers. They worked in the trades. They were business owners, like some of you are. And they provided leadership in the church. Remember, it was this couple who came alongside Apollos in the book of Acts. And mentored him along in the faith. And so when you picture Priscilla and Aquila, I I want you to remember that this is not some saintly old Sunday school couple. But these are people who are out there in the marketplace serving. And they're leading in the church. And look at verse 4. That Paul points out Priscilla and Aquila risked their lives for him. In the Greek it says they risked their necks for him. This couple was bold. They were following Jesus with abandon and putting their lives on the line for the gospel. And so what a couple, an exemplary couple for us. They were Bible reading, people serving, adventurers. And I praise God that we have Priscilla's and Aquila's 
who are here among us and leading the church today. And I pray that even more couples and those of you who are young couples would grow into these roles and lead us in the future. For our next point, we're going to stick with this couple, but move to verse 5. Verse 5, Paul says, Greet also the church that meets at their house. The reason we want to pause here is just to notice that the church in Rome was not meeting in a church building. But rather, the church in Rome and across the New Testament was meeting in people's homes. It was not a church with a steeple. It was not even a gymnasium like the one that we're in. But it was a network of house churches. And we know that the wealthiest of people would have had a house that could fit up to 70 or 80 people. Like the really rich people in Rome who were following Jesus, they could host a a larger crowd But for many of them, it wasn't close to 70 or 80. And so the church could only get to a certain point and then would have to divvy up and multiply and start a new house church. And it's very much the feel of our Y groups. Maybe not 70 or 80, but 10, 20, some with a lot of kids, 25, 30, when everybody's there. And these are the smaller groups in the larger church that meet outside of Sunday mornings where you get to go deeper in relationship than you could on a Sunday morning. You get to feel more connected and grow deeper in your faith in Christ. And so our Y groups often involve, as I imagine theirs did, food, hanging out, the kids playing, and then Bible study, conversation, and prayer. And so if you're not yet connected to a Y group, I would urge you, as we hear from in Romans this morning, to try one out. Maybe from now till Christmas. That's a short stretch. And if it's not for you, you could get out. <laughs> but try it from now till Christmas. We'd love to connect you to a Y group and experience there what across these tables so many of us have come to love and cherish. Let's go to verse 6. Verse 6 is short and sweet, and it says, Greet Mary who worked very hard for you. Now there's a whole handful of Marys in the New Testament. There's six different Marys. It was a common name. And this is a Mary we run into only in this passage. So this is not Mary the mother of Jesus or Mary Magdalene or any of the others. This is just the Mary in Romans 16. And the reason I draw attention to her is that Paul greets her and commends her and she is listed all by herself. And so we're guessing here, but as we see listed among these other couples in the passage, it would appear that this Mary is single. Perhaps she has remained single or become single, or perhaps she is widowed. We don't know, but I want to highlight that if you are here this morning and you are single or you are widowed, You are of no lesser place in the ministry of the church. God was using Mary in powerful ways. And he sees that she's expending herself for the gospel and in service to others. And so do many of our single adults here at the Y Church, our widows who are among us. And we want you to know, if there has ever been a shadow of a doubt about it, that we love and value you, the way that Paul sees Mary. Verse 7. Let's go to verse 7. I want to introduce another couple. It says, Greet Andronicus and Junia, 
my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. So I already touched on the marriage part of this, but I want you to notice that Paul also identifies this couple as Jewish. He highlights that. And we remember now, having studied Romans much of this year, that one of the biggest challenges in the early church was the racial divide between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. The Roman church was mostly Gentile, and that's evident too in these names that are here, meaning they were non-Jewish, but there was a significant number of Jewish believers among them following Jesus as Messiah. And as they should be, they are gathered together in the one family of the church, and yet these two groups struggled to get along. And so what do we glean from this? We remember that Jesus came for people of every ethnicity and nation and language. And I was just thinking on my drive in this morning, not in my notes, but we have people whose church home here at the Y Church, people who were born in Asia, in Africa, in Europe, in South America, and of course probably a whole lot of fourth generation Norwegians and Germans who are here. And yet, as we think about this, and we think about this dynamic in the early church, we might have across the global family, and even here just in our own country, a hard time understanding each other sometimes. And yet, we're a family. That's what it says. Thicker than blood. And if anything is worth fighting for, and there's a lot of fighting and noise around us, but if anything's worth fighting for, it is our unity in Christ. Now, before we leave this verse, let's also point out that Paul says that they have been in prison with him. Priscilla and Aquila risked their necks. And Paul says this is a couple who went to prison for their faith. And as Nijar has reminded us today and called us to prayer, we remember that there are many Christians living in imminent danger of arrest, persecution, and death simply because they believe in Jesus So may the Lord give us this kind of boldness, like Andronicus and Junia. Let's go to verse 8 as our next stopping point. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. It's another short verse, and this time to show that though some were imprisoned for their witness, other believers were coming right out of the imperial family. Ampliatus is a well-attested name from the imperial family. That means that he is in the extended family of the emperor, in the highest social class. And then you pair that with what we see in verse 10. Look at verse 10 with me where it says, Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. We don't have time to go into the history that's here, but Aristobulus was a grandson of Herod the Great. Historically, we don't have any indication that Aristobulus himself was a Christ follower, but guess who was? Guess what this means? His slaves. That's what it means when it says those belonging to who are the property of his household. These are people. Slaves. And not just here, but all over this list, we see the names of slaves and freed slaves whom Paul is greeting in the church. The household of Narcissus, it says. Trephina and Trephosa, twin sisters. Slave names. 
Patrobus, Hermes, the list goes on. The gospel sets people free. Wherever you are, it finds you and it sets you free. And the Lord gathers his people into one family called the church. Nobility sitting side by side with slaves, Greeks, Jews, Romans. So imagine this family gathered for worship in someone's living room or in someone's backyard. And we get to Paul's final greeting, verse 16. And it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. And maybe you have seen how other cultures do the kiss as their greeting. In French, Michelle, you were a French major, weren't you? I think it's called la bise in France. I'm not suggesting we bring this back here, by the way. So. <laughs> and Paul said this was customary, as it is in other places of the world still today. Not just in Roman culture, but especially, even more so, in Jewish culture. And so the early church came to gather on Sunday mornings to remember that Jesus Christ is risen, and they would greet each other in the worship service, in the liturgy, with the kiss of peace, like we do handshakes and hugs. The church is a family that is made up of all different kinds of people. On this list, we see 18 Greek names, eight Latin names, six or seven Jews, six or seven women, imperial names, and slave names. We see people from wealth and people from poverty and people in between. And they're all folded into the family of God in Christ. So you see how rich this list of names is? Now let's ask the question, what do we learn from it? We've drawn some of it out. But really, what was the purpose of these New Testament greetings? Because you find them in most of the other letters as well. And here's how I think it applies. I'm going to give three ideas. Number one, we see that God calls all kinds of people to Christ, and he puts us in his family. We are brothers and sisters. Number two, We need each other for mission and spiritual growth. There are no lone rangers here. Ministry is teamwork. And we are all ministers of the gospel. And in fact, our faith itself is teamwork. And we need each other to grow. And then number three. Mutual love in Christ is a hallmark of Christian community. The Bible says in John's Gospel, this is how the world will know that we belong to Jesus by the way that we love one another. And so I want to close with this. There are 26 names on this list. And I hope they've encouraged you and instructed you, maybe in surprising ways that you didn't expect from this kind of passage. And I want to give you this little assignment to take home. All right, we try not to do these too often, but this one is going to be fun. It's going to be meaningful, and here it is. I want to invite you later today or this week to write your own greetings in the style of Paul in Romans 16, listing, if you can, 26 different people or households who have helped you grow in Christ. Does that make sense? Can you take that home and keep it short and sweet? I mean, Paul doesn't land on these long, does he? 
But see if you can come up with 26 greetings to those who have invested in you spiritually. And then if you want, take them to your Y group. Share them with each other. Or take a picture and text it to me or email me. Students, bring it on Wednesday night. I would love to see what you came up with. But what I deeply desire for us here is that we would know the joy of following Jesus together. Esther and I want you to know that we have a love for you that comes from Christ. And we get to see this here, one table to another, person to person, the mutual love and affection that is practiced here day after day. My brothers and sisters, let's keep loving well. That through our witness, the world may come to know Christ's love for them. And all God's people in this family said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.